Christmas service. Hey, do you guys like this season? Yeah, it's a great season, right? Gifts, Christmas movies, right? They like do these marathons of like, you know, movies like It's a Wonderful Life. What, what's your favorite, like those Christmas, you know, classics? Home Alone. Huh? Home Alone. Christmas Story, anybody? Right, that comes up. Charlie Brown comes up. In the first service, they wanted, they, they, Die Hard was the, <laughs> it's like Christmas spirit, Die Hard. Okay. But anyway, this is like, you know, it's the tradition. You know, the trees, the lights, the things we do on Christmas. It's the classics, right? Carols. So I want to begin today by reading a classic Christmas story. Probably the best known Christmas story of all time. The story of the Magi, right? You heard of it? After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Now that was a lie, right? We'll find out more about that later. But after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, good advice, they returned to their country by another route. You guys familiar with this story? The story of the Magi? Isn't that a classic? You've seen these pictures of the Magi from distant lands coming to worship. Baby Jesus born in a manger. It's the classic Christmas story, right? It captured imagination of countless millions of people for 2,000 years. And I think one reason why it has been so fascinating is probably because it is so unexpected and unconventional. It defies your expectation, right? This idea that God coming as a helpless babe in a manger with dirty animals with bugs and just smells and to a poor peasant family 
That just doesn't compute. Especially back then when class and status mattered so much. Right? I mean, these days at least, you know, there's some mobility. We tell our kids, you can be anything you want to be. Which is not true, right? I mean, that's not true, I don't think. I mean, you can be a lot of things, but anything? I don't know. (laughs) But especially back then, it was so rigid. Right? I mean, if you were born to a, a blacksmith, you were a blacksmith for the rest of your life. You were, you were born to an aristocrat, you were an aristocrat for the rest of your life. You're, it was so regimented, hierarchical, and set that it's just really surprising that God, this highest, the most powerful being, would choose to be born as this helpless baby in this lowest class. That's just that's interesting. And so, from the beginning, I just feel like the Christmas, God, Jesus, it went against this traditional, segmented, hierarchical culture. Which is very interesting, because even today, I think this sense of division, things like racism, sexism, classism, is really powerful, even today. Don't you agree? There's this regimented thing going on even today. And Caroline last week preached just such a powerful sermon, I felt like. It just talked about how this culture and mentality of dividing people, categorizing people, hurts us so much. She showed us the layout of the temple, what it was like back then, the mentality. It just shows so clearly This is the temple, the holy temple, even for people of faith, was so regimented. The most holy place, that's where God resides. That's where God's presence is. That's the best place to be, the holiest place, you know, highest place. And it was separated from everything else. The next to it was the holy place. That's where, you know, the priests could go in. Only select priests go in. The most holy place, only the chief priest go in once a year. Just the highest place. But holy place, it's next to it. So only select priests get to go. And then you have the, the court of the priests. That's the next best layer. And then you have the court of Israel, which meant, remember anybody, the court of? Men. That's what it meant. Women and children were not allowed in there. The court of Israel meant court of men of Israel, which just tells you the mentality that they would call that the court of Israel. Women are not, it doesn't count. They don't count as part of Israel. That just like shows you mentality right there. And then you have the court of women. Just a step above the court of the Gentiles. The unbelievers, the, the lowest, the farthest away from God. And she talked about how it, this kind of mentality of dividing and categorizing people hurts us. She addressed the issue of sexism, men and women. And how it hurts men, not just women. It hurts all people to think in these terms. 
a clear hierarchy. And I, she talked about how Christ broke all of this up. That the cross, what it accomplished. As soon as Jesus died, the Bible tells us the first thing that happens is that the curtain that divides the most holy place from the rest of the place, it gets torn. And, and, and the Holy Spirit just goes out everywhere, breaking down all divisions and walls and categories. Isn't that great? That's the gospel, folks. That's the good news Jesus came for. This is what we believe. Amen? Amen. Now, everyone has access to God without having to go through that, you know, stepping up category by category, you know, paying your due, paying your things to get up there in order to get close to God. No, anybody and everybody, wherever you are, whoever you are, you have access to God. Amen. Yes? We can all go home now. I mean, what, what, what more is there to say? This is the gospel. This is the heart of the new covenant. But of course, I have to earn my keep. You know, it's my job. So let's talk a little more. <laughs> this has a lot of practical implications, actually. It just has tremendous implications in our daily life. Because we all have an internal map, a ladder. We all do. We all have a sense of what's better and what's worse, like that temple layout, if we can go back to that. You know, we graduate from college, and we are a first-year associate at some firm, and you start to place yourself. You're like, where am I? In this world. And you have a category. You're first year associate. You are at the court of the Gentiles. And, and you look up. And there's like a third year associate. Fifth year associate. And there's like a, a partner. And then there's a managing partner. And there's a CEO. The most holy place. <laughs> right? And so you kind of like. You, you have a sense of where you are. And your mom, and you have a sense of where you're ranking. Now, Facebook, Facebook does not help here. It really does not. Because it, it, it just, you see all these perfect pictures. And uh, people don't put up like, oh, this is me at 6 a.m. with my hair all like going crazy. I'm yelling at my kids. And they don't put that up. And it's always like every kid is just so like looking great and they're like, they're like kissing each other and like they're all behaving great and everything looks so nice. And, and you look at that picture and then you start thinking, what does my kitchen look like? Oh my God. You know, I mean, it's just all a mess. You know, maybe there are some roaches running around or whatever. <laughs> and like your kids are like hitting each other. And you just go, you know, where am I here? The Facebook picture and... I mean, this looks different for different people, right? Whoever you are. This ladder looks different to an artist. They have their own internal map. To a businessman or a mom. But we all have some kind of map. 
in our head. Can we agree on this? Am I alone? Don't you? Don't you have like some sense of where do I rank? Where do I? And you find your, you know, place in that. Now, don't get me wrong. This can serve a useful function to have this kind of categories and a clearly outlined places. After all, this outline of the temple established by God himself. Old covenant that we've been talking about, the bounded set, clear places, that was established by God. It has a function. Back then, when things were so barbaric and chaotic and people just did whatever they wanted to do, and it was terrible. And it served a function to bring some order, to bring this kind of categories. It brought order. And now when you're talking to like a two-year-old, when they just don't understand why it's wrong to hit your siblings, it's hard to just talk sense to them, you know? You just have to discipline them. You have to impose rigid structures and boundaries, and you just have to say, you have to do this, and you have to do this, and at this time, you go brush your teeth, and if you don't, you know, come on, you got to do it. But... We grow up. Things change. Cultures change. God is not dead. He's not static. Nor is culture. Just because God instituted this at one time does not mean it's the truth for all time, for all people at all. It's Things have to change. Old covenant served its function, but it's called old for a reason. <laughs> There's a new covenant. God is calling us to something better that Jesus brought to institute. That's the new covenant. It's the gospel. And that breaks down walls and categories and that is so clear from even the beginning of the Christmas story. Let's go back to the story we began the the sermon with. It begins by saying this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, have come to worship him. Have you guys ever wondered, who are these Magi? You know, I mean, what are they like? I mean, what? Who are these people? They come from afar. And they're not Bible people. They're not people of faith. They... They were reading stars. They find a weird star that shouldn't be there. There are these astrology-loving, if it were today, new age type of weird people. (laughs) Really weird. Because who does this, right? I mean, who does it? You, You see a star, and it's like, it's weird. It shouldn't be there. And then they decide to go on an epic journey following the star. You know, back then, they didn't have, like, highways, you know? They didn't have, like, 7-Eleven gas stations where you can, like, load up with sugar and potato chips. And, I mean, it was a journey fraught with all kinds of danger. Nobody else did this. 
they show up, magi. Like if you were today, they were, you would find these people in like palm reading, tarot card, you know, that kind of places. Right? Not like people, I mean, these are like people that good, respectable Christians would go, hmm, you know, we are warned against associating with, right? That's the kind of people magi are. But the Bible makes a point with this story. They are the first to recognize and welcome Jesus. Not people of faith. The Bible people, when they hear about it, it says, when King Herod heard about this, he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. Jerusalem is the Bible belt at the time. That's where all the Bible people lived. And their reaction is disturbed. And later on, they end up resisting Jesus with all they got. What a contrast. Bible makes a point with this. That it's these people farthest away from God. They are the ones who come and welcome and recognize Jesus. They, they bow down and worship Him. Worship is an old English word that comes from two words. Worth and ship. It's to place worth, value, meaning, and hope into something. That's what it means to worship. That's what they did with Jesus. They found their worth in baby Jesus. Which brings up a question. Where do we find our worth and our meaning and our hope in? What do we worship? What do we follow? What is our star that we are willing to pursue? For most of us, I would venture that it has something to do with that internal map in our head. Where we find our self-worth and identity in, if we can go back to map, Somewhere here, we have placed ourselves and we draw our worth and identity from that place. It's what I do. Am I alone? Do you guys do that? We know what's ahead, what's behind. If we are climbing the ladder or slipping down the ladder... Our worth and our identity is in our well. We are moving up or down. Where are we here? That's where we tend to place our worth into. And the Magi challenges us. They follow a star and they worship baby Jesus. They are placing their worth and meaning and hope in God's living guidance. It's not that the star is that particular magical power, right? I mean, they follow different things at different times. God's guidance, it varies. They says, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they return to their country by another route. So at first they follow a star, and then they get a dream, 
It's coming in a different way, but what they're following is God's living guidance that's coming in live time that adjusts into your situation as is appropriate. And this kind of guidance from God is promised to everyone who wishes to follow Jesus. The Bible says, Your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. Right? That's a promise of guidance. That's telling you what you should be doing, how you should be placing yourself. And I have to tell you what this voice sounds like. It's different for different people. It comes in different ways. Some people, they get dreams. Maybe for some people, it's a star, like this magi. Others of us, maybe it's an insight that comes to you out of nowhere. And you just think, wow, that doesn't, I did not expect that. An epiphany. Or a wisdom from a friend, or you're reading the Bible, and some passage really guides you in some powerful way. It's different for different people. But this is our hope. This is the promise of the new covenant. That Jesus will not leave us as orphans. He said he will come to us. And he will guide us in this way. And if we build our lives by placing our worth. And building our lives upon this promise. Then what is Further promised is that we will get fruits of the Holy Spirit. We'll get love, joy, peace, resilience, a vibrant life, life that is worth living, that is filled with hope, that does not disappoint you, that does not let you down, that keeps you going with a sense of inner fire. That no matter what is happening around you, you feel this sense of grounding, You feel this sense of strength and worth. You don't fall apart because some lame duck boyfriend dumped you. You know? You don't fall apart because your kitchen sink is not looking good. You don't fall apart because you failed to get promoted this year. There is this fire and passion in you that lets you know gives you strength makes life worth living doesn't that sound good and that's how we know we are building our life upon a solid foundation that we are following true God's living guidance when these things happen in our character that's what I'm pursuing that's what is the promise of faith that's why it's worth celebrating Christmas amen Sounds good? You want some of that? This, is, this ought to be the focus of faith. Don't you agree? So next year, we're going to spend some time, early next year, really focusing on how to deepen our personal relationship with God. So you can each personally follow God's living guidance. For example, we have a conversational prayer workshop coming up on January 8th. Caroline, my wife, is going to lead it. And it's going to be so great because we're going to talk about how to discern and follow God's living guidance in a safe, rational, non-pressured way. Because it can get really weird, folks. 
right? I mean, we're talking about stars and dreams. That can get weird. We don't want that. We want safe, sane, rational spirituality that results in healthy, emotional, spiritual, you know, just all around vibrant life. And there's a lot to talk about how to make it that way. You know, Caroline is so, like, wise and trustworthy, don't you think? You just look at her and you think, oh, you know, that's someone you can trust. So, you know, sign up. Come and listen and stop practicing. This is going to be the focus next year. But for today, let me just remind you one way that you can practice this, this season. It's something I mentioned before. It's called examine. Great spiritual practice. Old spiritual practice. Catholics practice this. It's it's founded on this insight from St. Ignatius who said, God doesn't just guide us through a written text. God speaks to us in our life through experience in our life. And so there are many ways to approach this spiritual practice, but but really the simplest way to think about it is to ask two questions all the time, at least every day. And that is to ask, what lifted me up today? And what brought me down today? They call this consolation and desolation. What made me anxious today? Desolation. What lifted off my burdens? Consolation. What was the best part? What was the worst part? The idea, the idea behind this is that when our lives get aligned with God's purpose for our lives, then our souls will feel lifted up supernaturally, miraculously, weirdly. You will just feel a strange sense of like wind behind your back. You will feel good. And so by closely observing what lifts you up and what brings you down, you can begin to align yourself to God's purpose for your life. And good things will happen if you do that. Doesn't that sound good? It's one way to follow God's guidance. And so, you know, this Christmas season, you may get a lot of gifts. You may, if you're lucky. For example, if you do, Maybe one type of gift really makes you happy, just beyond reason. Another type of gift makes you go, "Ah, that's not me. You know what I mean? Has that ever happened to you? And when that happens, we can just go, ah, you know, let's just move on. Maybe so-and-so doesn't understand me that well. Or you can take a moment and ask God, what about that gift? Lift me up. Do you have... Guidance for me, God. Do you see how this can be practiced? Yes? It's simple. doesn't take too much. But by doing this, you can begin to get a sense of God's living guidance in your life. And that's going to be a great thing. That will help you. And, you know, sometimes when difficult things happen, we can start doubting. Is God really with me? We can start doubting, God, does God really guide me? Is he with me, getting me through this situation? God can feel distant. Am I just talking to myself? Or is there really a voice leading me forward? Even for the Magi, 
They lose sight of God for a while. It says, after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. What do you think that means? If they were seeing the star all the time, why would you think, why would they get overjoyed? I think they lost sight of it for a while. And so when they saw it again, they're like, oh, the star is back. Woohoo. I think that's why they stopped to ask Herod and the Bible people in the first place. If the star was guiding them the whole time, why would they have to stop and ask, where should we go? They lost sight for a while. And that can happen to us. We can start to doubt. There can be a dark period. But we have to keep going. We have to build our life on the promise that God is faithful. Amen? God's voice will come to you. The star will come back to you. You will find your way again. Just keep pushing. Because it can come in different ways. What used to work may stop working. But God does not stop working. He is committed to doing you good. And that is worth celebrating. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. Let's worship. Amen.